Welcome to the 100th episode of the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. Today, in honor of this special episode, Keith has a rapid-fire conversation about five critical issues that the church needs to think about. Hi, this is Keith Tusi, and welcome to the 100th edition of Leadership in Context. 100 times I've come to you. And I so am grateful for those of you who have given me some feedback and encouraged me in this. And if you want to do some more of that, uh, pass it on to some friends. Get some other people signed up so we can share this. I have tried to really be diligent in giving leadership principles, not just for human self-improvement, but to put them in the context of the local church and the local leaders' lives. So today I want to do something uh, a little more avant-garde, a little different, I guess. I just want to share with you a couple random thoughts. They uh, are not necessarily connected together, just things I'm thinking right now. Maybe questions you're asking yourself. actually had one of these questions recently to kind of spawn this. So I wrote down a couple things here that I want to share with you, okay, in regard to the local church and what my thoughts are going forward. I think the last year, the last eight months especially, have really caused us to give some deep consideration and process information in our direction. I think that can be good as long as we're in the context of Scripture. So what is the church facing and what are critical issues that we need to think about? I think at the top of the list is the church has got to understand its relationship to civil government. Uh, here's my quote that I like to say. The Bible does not teach ultimate allegiance to anybody but God. Therefore, the Bible cannot condone ultimate submission to anybody but God. And of course, that would apply to civil government. When you read church history, the things that derailed the church more than internal conflict strife, compromise, and even sin is an unhealthy relationship to the civil government. I mean, going back into the Dark Ages, going back into Nazi domain, going back into uh, uh, Catholic uh, uh, domination, of papal infallibility, things of this nature, these things were all tied in to civil government as well. And so we've got to be accurate historians and understand that the tenor of Scripture is that we should get along with government, we should comply as much as we possibly can, but that our ultimate allegiance is to God. And we need to be very clear with that. And every time, by the way, there has been a move of God, there have been a few good men, William Booth said, that ended up in jail. And uh, I don't doubt that that is going to continue. There are going to be some people that are going to stand up and they're going to do the right thing. may not be the popular thing. I think there are a lot of people that base the right thing on how does it affect my church? How does it affect me? How does it affect my reputation? Rather than is it true and is it right? Jesus took some reputation hits for doing the right thing. Who do we think we are to escape the same thing. So number one is relationship to civil government. Number two, with the emphasis on being relevant in the last couple decades, the question has to be asked, relevant to who? 
in our attempt to be relevant to culture, I think for the most part, not entirely, we've been swallowed up by culture rather than making a difference in culture. We're to be relevant to God first. If we're not relevant to God, we become irrelevant to lost people and we become irrelevant to saved people who need to know the next step in their life. So I think being relevant to God is more critical than being relevant to man, to being cool, to be, you know, on the cutting edge of things. I think we ought to uh, package things as sharp and as gracefully as we can. I have no problem with that. But the content of that package has got to be, it's got to be relevant to God. So I'm going to preach the things that God preaches, and I'm going to do everything I can to take away stumbling blocks so they've got to look at the message. They're not looking at a sloppy means to communicate it or a sloppy uh, agenda or process on how we've done it. But number one, we've got to be relevant to God. Number three, on the current justice issue, listen, Abel's blood cried from the ground for justice. If you want an interesting Bible study, just look up the word or Google the word innocent blood and follow that trail throughout the Bible, and you'll see where God's emphasis is on justice. There are many issues that need justice in our culture, and all of them should be addressed. But I can tell you the crown jewel, the thing where the enemy gets so much of his appetite and so much of his reign is in the sacrifice of unborn children, the shedding of innocent blood. And until the church is willing to deal with innocent blood is the most predominant cultural challenge we have. Not just, yeah, we're pro-life and we support the Crisis Pregnancy Center, but preaching on it, teaching on it, understanding the ramifications of it. Listen, when you devalue human life in its smallest form, it spreads to any form. Sex trafficking, a bodily mutilation, suicide, drug abuse, domestic violence, these things all get their root in the devaluation of human life. And by the way, Jesus gave his life for our life. Jesus elevated our life by giving his life. By the giving of his life, he was testifying that human life is the highest possible currency. And when we step back and allow millions of children literally to be murdered every year without any prophetic understanding, without a breaking of our heart, we can try to polish brass on other areas that are tarnished. And, and I'm not saying we should be void of those things, that we should be out of uh, the jurisprudence system on the other things that I mentioned. But we've got to understand that the shedding of innocent blood is related to the sacrifice of little boys and little girls is the fault line of what we're dealing with. Uh, number four, we must have Bible orthodoxy, meaning if the Bible says it, we ought to preach it. If the Bible's against divorce, we ought to preach about it. If the Bible's for marriage, we had to preach about it. If the Bible is against homosexuality, we had to preach about it. If it's for uh, fidelity, we ought, we ought to preach about it. If it's for tithing, we ought to preach about it. What, if it's for missions, we ought to preach about it. If it's for holiness, we ought to preach about it. If it's for covenant holy relationships, we ought to preach about it. There needs to be Bible orthodoxy. We need to say what God said. 
because this is God's kingdom. It's not our kingdom. And we need to have ourselves submitted to what the Bible says. Uh, situations or understandings like, for instance, of church discipline that some in some places is not even acknowledged anymore. Well, the Bible teaches about it, so we need to teach about it. The way we worship, I think, uh, the tone of our worship, how long we were, all those things. What does the Bible teach about those things? Rather than just being conformed to culture, what does the Bible teach? What does the Bible say? Let's have Bible orthodoxy. We can wrestle over application. I think that's what good brothers and sisters do. This is what the Bible says. Let's be unequivocal. That's what orthodoxy is. Then orthopraxy is how do we apply that? What do we do with that? What is the history of that? We need to have both, but let's have Bible orthodoxy. For We can't be full gospel if we're not full of the gospel, okay? Let's be clear on what the Bible says. Number five, let's operate in racial reality. If we've done something wrong, if we've been prejudicial, if there are underlying issues, let's acknowledge them, let's repent, and let's take redemptive acts of doom. If we haven't done those things, then don't confess to something you haven't done. That would be like a doctor giving a patient medicine that they don't need for a disease that doesn't exist. So you need both balances. You need both realities. Do not succumb to a blanket cultural indictment where it does not fit you or does not fit your church. Where it does fit, own it and wear it and deal with it and be very clear about it. Have practical steps about this is how we're going to remedy this attitude or this action or this lack of action or this lack of empathy. Let's deal with that. On the other side, don't try to be culturally relevant by being insincere, having a lack of integrity, and not being honest with God and with yourself. Learn to speak the truth. So, on my 100th broadcast, there's five things I want to throw out for you. You might like them, you might not uh, appreciate them. You might say, hey, absolutely. But hopefully they'll make you think in the context of the local church. Hey, this is Keith Tusi. Great to be with you. Share this with somebody today. Today, Keith had a rapid-fire conversation about five critical issues that the church needs to think about. One, civil government. The Bible does not teach ultimate allegiance to anyone but God. Therefore, the Bible cannot condone ultimate submission to anyone but God. Two, relevance. If we aren't relevant to God, we become irrelevant to lost people and to the saved people who need to know what the next step in their life is. Number three, justice. When you devalue human life in its smallest form, it spreads to any form. Number four, Bible orthodoxy. If the Bible says it, we preach it. If the Bible is against it, we preach about it. And lastly, five, racial reality. Do not succumb to the blanket cultural indictment that does not fit you or your church. And where it does fit, own it and deal with it. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, 
email podcast at innerpastors.com. If you would like more information, you can check out our website, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at innerpastors. See you next week.